start to put tension on my string drawback, I was like, okay, I'm gonna smoke. It's him. You can look at the horns when he's dead. I'm, I'm in, you know, in the zone. Let the arrow go is perfect. Uh, when they lose their front shoulders, yeah, you start, yeah, that's how you know. What's going on, guys? This is episode 77 of the White Cat Outdoors podcast. And Nick didn't trust me. He thought I was going to be wrong about what episode number it was. Yeah, had, to, had to check. Yeah, we figured it out, and we're good to go. So Nick's here, and my father, who hasn't been on in quite a while, just got back from Alaska. Thanks for having me back, guys. It's been a while. Of yeah, course. it has. It's been a real long time. I think the last time you were on was when we were in Harrisburg. Is it, were you on no, that? the no, Father's yeah, Day special. The Father's, Father's Day. Day. Yeah, that's right. With, that's right. Uh, it was Todd. Yeah. yeah, it was yeah. back. That was it's a, still early. It's still been a while. A, but that, yeah, it was Father's Day a year ago. Yeah, so it's still almost been a year. Yeah. It's almost like a one-year anniversary. Yeah, almost. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we just want to talk about your Alaska trip. You just got back from doing the spring brown bear hunt. Yeah. So that, that's what it was, spring brown bears? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's what we were doing. It was uh, it was good time, real good time this year. Um, you didn't get to do it last year. They canceled it because of COVID. Yeah, that was kind of a raw deal. Yeah. Uh, you know, COVID kind of runs rampant out there on the river by yourself. <laughs> sure. 400 miles from nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> really decimated the moose and bear population, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, they were dropping like flies out there. Yeah. But <laughs> no, but it was uh, it was a pretty cool hunt. Um, I, I mean, no, out there with uh, the same guy this year? Same that... outfitter, Alaska Elite Outfitters, uh, Mike Vanstrom. Okay. Uh, this is uh, three years I've been with him now. And I uh, really like the guy. He's uh, a lot of fun to be around. Pretty easy going. Uh, he's willing to put up with myself and a couple of the other guys <laughs> up there that are Brad. becoming yeah. regulars. Brad, you've all met Brad. Yeah, he's and, tough to uh, deal with. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all good, clean fun, you know. We bust yeah, each other's chops. So, But uh, this, was, this was actually kind of a new experience for me as well because I'd never done this style of hunt, the spring river bottom brown bear hunt. And the, the general gist of things is we weren't far from where we do our moose hunting. Uh, Riverboat miles within 150 miles, which up there is pretty close. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, but basically what we were doing was uh, before the, the clients started coming in, we were out scouting the riverbanks and the islands on the, on the main river looking for winter kill moose. And... Uh, you know, those river bottoms are pretty thick and it's not like you're just going to walk around in them and go, <laughs> Oh, there's and, one. And there's go, one. Right, Glass go, them from a distance. Them like <laughs> rabbits or whitetails here in Pennsylvania. So yeah. it, uh, you know, then when you find those winter kill moose, that's where you're going to park yourself. And it's, like I said, it's not the most exciting thing in the world, uh, while you're waiting, but you're generally, you know, a lot of your setups are only 30 to 75 yards away from where you're at. So when, when things start to happen, it, it gets a little more exciting mm-hmm. at that point. Uh, quite often, the bears are coming in and doing a little circle or coming downwind, and you know they're they're leery about just popping out and exposing themselves. So, mm-hmm. it, but uh, that is literally like the only food source that time of year because there's no salmon in the river. That it's too early for berries to be out on the tundra. So 
your only option basically is to be on they're, those. They're scavenging. Tables. Yeah, they're scavenging. You know, they're they're coming out of their dens. Uh, if they can find any kind of grass to chew on, they've got to get some kind of vegetation in their system. Mm-hmm. But uh, but everything they do is pretty much in that river bottom. And you know, we're trying to get on them. The we had two ten day seasons this year that we had clients, and. Basically, what happens, you're trying to get on in that first 10 days as quick as you can. Mm-hmm. You know, you want, you don't want them dispersing and going about their, their business. So are you guys basically getting on them like they're coming out of their den as you're there? Or like are they out before? No, they've, they've already been out. Okay, so they, they've come out of their den depending on the year, 1st of April, middle of April. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're just they're just trying to get their system jump started, and they'll uh, they'll kill a moose. And a lot of times, when they're killing those moose, the first thing they're eating is their gut contents because oh, that's yeah. partially digested vegetation. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they're more interested in that than they are eating all the that meat. red I n- meat. I never would have guessed that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of neat. They uh, they will literally clean out the entire intestinal system and guts. And before they mo- go before they touch any meat and then they'll move up into the lungs the liver and the heart and that kind of stuff and they will have that moose hollowed out hmm. before, before they, they start, start eating wow. meat. you know but uh and it's funny because somewhere somehow they always seem to find some leftover frozen berries someplace yeah you'll see it in their scat there'll be some cranberries or blueberries that i don't know their, their nose is that good they they mm-hmm. find whatever's out there you know and but it's meager in the spring so mm-hmm. now, you guys can't bring bait out, can no, you? Alaska's no, no yeah, baiting. Okay, no baiting, and we're not even allowed to move that moose carcass. Okay, that's so probably where we find that moose carcass. That's where it's got to stay. And that's even where if there's got... no shooting lanes or anything, <laughs> <laughs> you're allowed. To, you, you can you can prune a branch. Okay, <laughs> you know, but uh, but yeah, you can't you can't start dragging that moose carcass up and down the river. It's, not that that's an easy task yeah, to begin with. Well, no, it's, you know, twelve hundred pounds of. Yeah, of blob. So, but yeah, no. But it, uh, like I said, it's a uh, it's a patience game. Uh, you know, the our responsibility is to find those places for guys, and if uh, if you're a patient person, it uh, it will usually pay off. I mean, again, there's no guarantees in life. No, but the guys that are signing up for this hunt, do they know typically the way that these style hunts go? Um, they or, should because we explain it to them. You yeah, know, we we tell you this is what you're getting. You give into. them every opportunity to understand that before yes, they book yes. it. <laughs> and this is actually, I mean, if if you're somebody who's not in the perfect health wise conditions, uh, or or maybe you got a bum knee or something like mm-hmm. that, I mean, we're literally doing all the work with a jet boat, and there's no hiking around. Very minimal hiking. I mean, we might do a little walk just to. There's a couple places where, in our particular area where I was at, where I can walk a few hundred yards and glass out across the tundra. But mm-hmm. uh, then again, if you're someone who can't walk, there's not a lot of purpose in doing that, you know. But our, yeah. your best bet is camping on that moose carcass mm-hmm. and uh, and waiting for that bear to show up. Hmm. So, but it's, like I said, very productive. Very productive. Mm-hmm. Is it typically about the same as far as? success rate as far like with spring and fall are they roughly similar because i mean the style of hunting is very different but do you typically kill as many bears or is it do you see a difference um boy i would say our success rates ran about the same really Mm -hmm. uh because you know you still have the the, all the other factors in mind you still have weather Mm -hmm. you know you still have your moon phases which everybody's argue back and forth as to what moon phase is the yeah. greatest to hunt and 
it's just my personal opinion. When we get to a full moon phase, I think that's the worst time mm-hmm. because that full moon just encourages them out to animals out to, to move all night long. You so know, you, you do see less a pattern a bit with the moon. I do, yeah, uh, yeah. I, th- I, think I think you're right. I mean, if you get if you get a combination of like clear skies and a full moon, they at run least all around night long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I can't speak for Alaska, but I know back home, like Pennsylvania, if you got a clear sky with full moon, you're probably not going to do very well morning hunting. No, no, um, it's yeah. No, and that's the same thing that we've run into up there. Okay. You know, and like I said, and I know there's guys that just live for the full moon. Mm-hmm. You know, they just can't wait till that full moon comes out. And, and if it works for you, by all means, yeah, you know, we've it. said it before, go for it. If it, yeah. <laughs> if it works for you, do it. You know, I'm never telling anyone to change what they what they do that oh, they yeah. they've had success on it. But, mm-hmm. but it's just what we've noticed. And uh, But we killed some really nice bears. Uh, well, okay, so... I'm kind of ignorant to this as well as probably a lot of people listening. Um, what is considered a good bear or a nice bear? All right. Well, because um, black bears around here are obviously drastically smaller than what a good bear, brown bear in Alaska is. Well, yeah, when you compare them to brown bears. But uh, where we're at in southwest Alaska, now we're not down on the peninsula or Kodiak, but we're southwest mainland, Nushigak River drainage. And, uh, and not that we don't get those big 10 footers that you hear about on the peninsula and stuff like that. We do. But they're far fewer mm-hmm. in between. Um, where we're at, any bear that's over eight feet, I'm going to suggest you shoot that bear. It's it's a pretty good bear for our area. Uh, this spring, in the first 10-day hunt, we happened to kill two that were over eight, one that was pushing up on nine, and one that was nine and a half. Wow. And we had five hunters. And then we had a couple guys, you know, a couple hunters. I shot bears that were under eight foot, but they were happy with the bear. And mm-hmm. is there any size restriction to bears? Size, no. Um, if you read the regs book in Alaska, it has to be a lone bear in its third year of life. So and, that's uh, kind of and, tough, and, and, I guess. Well, basically, what that's telling you is it's no longer a cub with its mother. Okay. You know, um, those cubs are usually with her their first two years of existence. They don't want you shooting sows and cubs. So by the time that bear's out on his own, he's might might only be two years and in a few weeks, but he's in his third year of existence. Mm-hmm. You know, so, okay. Uh, you know, she's so you're only away. allowed to kill boars? Is that what you're saying? No, you're allowed to shoot sows if Just they're a lone if bear. If they're alone, okay. And they're they're older. You know, they're they're not not a cub with her. With I'm curious as if it's yep. easy to tell the. Can you? I guess you've been up there quite a few times. Like standing out over a moose carcass, uh, can you tell the difference between your sows and boars? Yes. Okay. Yeah. No, in, in most cases, I mean, like I said, if you're looking at one of them three-year-old animals, you know, it's not as obvious. But mm-hmm. if you take the time to look, they're, they're the mature are, animals more easy. Oh, to tell. much more easy. Yeah. Okay. If, they, if they start to develop and they get all their true features, it's it's not a hard thing to tell boars from sows. Okay. So. But what's uh, the weapon of choice typically um, do you see up there when guys um, go up there for brown bear? We we've been seeing more and more archery hunters that want to come up, and we had a, we a, had a couple last fall archery hunters. Yeah, yep. And and when you're hunting a carcass like that, that's that's really your best time to try to archery hunt one because you know right where that bear is going to end up. You can set yourself up. Mm-hmm. For that you know exactly how far. thirty yard shot, maybe forty if things are right. Uh, you know, we 
We have tree stands, believe it or not. We put some tree stands up on really? some of them. Yeah, even though they're sitting there on the edge of the river, if it's the right situation, we can pop a tree stand up there and give you a 30, 35, or 40-yard shot. Uh, we will. One of the clients that Brad and I had was a uh, father and son. They both came in with bows, and uh, the son shot his bear at 15 yards with a, with a bow. Hmm. On the ground? Uh, well, he was up in one of our okay. tree stands that we put up. But still, 15 yards with a bow and a brown bear. Yeah, yeah. Is- yep. Pretty wild. So, yeah. No, Do you it have was... any clue of what size or ha- how big of an arrow they're using, like um, weight wise? I don't. Uh, the because one, you're, I know you're not the... going out there with a whitetail rig. That's no, you, you, definitely you, you definitely want something with a little weight to it. Um, mm-hmm. You're not supposed to use mechanical broadheads okay. in, in Alaska. It's illegal in most yes. places in yep. Alaska. Yeah, you're supposed to have a fixed blade uh, arrow. And obviously, you know, bears aren't thick skinned animals like a moose uh-huh. you know or an elk you know their skin's actually relatively thin but it's still a big animal mm-hmm. you know yeah. so you still have you know good sized bones that you could hit you got a you know heavy shoulders and a lot of muscle so but uh yeah it's uh it was it was a lot of fun it really was we um by the time the second 10-day hunt came around we were getting into oh i think it started on the we started it on the 20th and by that time the cows were starting to drop their calves and that, that probably amps up the bear activity a lot it, it really changes things mm-hmm. because now them bears are really chasing the cows and calves mm-hmm. and that first 10 days brad and i were up uh, you know one river that runs into the new Shigak. and in the first 10 day hunt we're sitting on those carcasses and uh we killed three bears with our two clients mm-hmm. you know one guy shot two one guy shot one and mm-hmm. they were out of there and uh one of those bears that brad shot was it was it was a nine foot bear you know mm-hmm. we didn't give it an official measurement but it was a pretty pretty good size. Right up there close to <laughs> yeah i've seen enough to know that you know that was a nine foot bear if not it wasn't missing by much uh the client that i had shot one that was well over eight you know probably mm-hmm. eight four ish eight five maybe eight six somewhere in there it was a really nice looking animal uh, and then Brad's client had actually had the first bear he shot. They were sitting there, and Brad saw a bear kind of working its way through the brush, and he kind of leaned over, and he told Larry, he's like, hey, here, here comes your bear. Pay attention now. And the moment that it stepped out, Larry plastered it. <laughs> and Brad's like, whoa, whoa. It's like he saw the gun come up, and before he could stop him to even look at it, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, they knew it was a, a lone, and they knew it was a legal bear, but they yeah. just didn't know, didn't know how big it was. How big it was yet? And, and Larry's like, "You said it was a good bear. There was a bear coming, and I could shoot it. I was shooting." He's like, "Well, let's go look at what you got." And he was tickled pink. I mean, it was still a nice yeah. looking animal, mm-hmm. but uh, but he decided to shoot a second one, and so and, gonna... and he was a little more patient that time and ended yeah. up with a, a, a really really nice animal i didn't realize you could have like two bear tags it, in our area now, okay like you said as you travel around alaska there's a lot of different rules so. yeah i didn't even um it was just up until this year that i didn't realize like so you everywhere you've ever moose hunted it seems or guided there's that 50 inch restriction correct i didn't realize that that's not statewide no no um no there so are. i guess Alaska, I mean, it's half the size of the U.S., um, so treat it like... A lot of room for different regulations. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, so depending on where you're at, you've got Two to, bear tags, huh? Yep, yeah. So is there, um, I mean, how much of a price increase if you're on a guided hunt, you know, you assuming you don't buy both tags, or do you 
kill one and then go back and get another tag or how does that work uh, for yeah, your guided system i guess um and on our, with uh with mike there he is a licensed vendor so he can issue you a second tag oh okay so uh i mean you might take you a day to get back and to him to, to mm-hmm. buy it you know because we're not we had like i said we had five hunters but we're scattered all about literally 75 miles of river closest sports store is quite a ways out there. <laughs> yeah so so mike is a licensed vendor so he's able to issue you a second tag if you want and then uh whatever fees he has i don't i don't get into, yeah it's i don't your... get into the, the money end of things <laughs> you know i'm not there for that that's mm-hmm. that's his end of it but i'm sure if, if you went on to his website you know yeah i'm sure it's a it, discount of it's not like oh, yeah, buying a new hunt. oh yeah it's not like buying a new hunt no there'd be it would be a you know, yeah. the, the license cost and whatever the kill fee is that yeah that mike has established so and uh but then yeah like i said the second 10 day hunt we had five more hunters come in and the weather got real hot we ended up with a full moon and the calves started dropping and all the activity shifted from where brad and i were at on those carcasses down to the lower river delta where all the oh. islands were in the river and the cows were dropping their calves i mean you could just Do see they- tend to do that on the islands yes they don't yeah the, the cows move out onto those islands and secluded areas trying to get away from hmm. the bears and the wolves and all that kind of stuff you know they they know it's safer out there mm-hmm. than it is you know on the mainland and stuff where the bears and wolves can get to them now, so. does a calf have any chance against a bear if that bear decides he's going to chase a calf down like can a calf outrun him or not no, really no okay no and, uh, and i was talking to some of the the guides that were down in those lower camps down there and they they just they would watch bears all day long just really chasing really chasing cows and calves and the cows are going after the bears really you know, oh they ain't afraid to, instinct, they ain't huh? afraid to throw hooves at them <laughs> <laughs> you know wow. trying to help the calves get mm-hmm. away you know but, now is a bear um they're not a species that'll just kill for fun are they no no they're gonna kill it and eat it well i'm just yeah. so they're not gonna go out on like a killing spree they're gonna kill one and eat it no, they'll kill more than one if they can. Okay. You know, they'll, they'll kill the two calves, Stock up and if then they they'll can. kill okay. mom, and they'll get them all piled up there, and mm. and then, then nothing will go to waste after that. But, yeah, they won't okay. pass up an opportunity to, to stockpile. stock some food yeah, away. Yeah, stockpile some food. So I mean, I guess that makes sense. They're survivalists. They gotta, if, yep. they get, if they got an opportunity for stockpile yeah. some meals, they're going you don't to. walk by a free sandwich. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and you were saying that where, you're, where you guys were hunting at the spring is, like, one of the main – winter areas where they do breed because like i didn't really realize this until i started going up there that moose migrate yes. hundreds of miles it's not like whitetail where if you see this moose right here he's not going within 10 miles you know he no. they travel hundreds of miles i didn't know that uh, yeah i didn't know it either i was really shocked by it's it. it's amazing how far they'll move I don't, I, and i don't know what their limits are mileage wise how far they'll move but they they do herd up and they come down into well but from where we win- hunt in the fall to where you guys are in their winter grounds basically is 200 it's, miles well that's river miles yeah river you, know, miles, you start so. but you know, still they got to walk the river <laughs> you know <laughs> they're not going by the way of the crow no they usually don't they usually follow their, their yeah. water drainages and stuff but uh no, but it, it's kind of interesting to see just how much they do move. And and it, it's such a, where we're at doing this bear hunt, it's such a crucial wintering and calving ground hmm. that they don't even do winter subsistence hunts there. The state won't let. What's subsistence? What? That's for the residents and natives. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, they, they have far more opportunities to moose hunt than the two-week season. The, that the, you guys the, the 11 days that the, 11, the sporting yeah. guys get to come up that are 
you know, coming up for their horns and cape and the trophy, yeah. you know, for lack of a better way of putting it. But, uh, yeah, the non-residents come up for their trophy, and, and some of them take their meat home, and it's all good. I'm not complaining about any of it. But the residents and the natives, they have far more opportunities to shoot uh, bulls and of lesser size and age, and they get to shoot cows during certain periods of time. But this area is so crucial to the, the calving and such an important wintering ground that they don't even open it up to, uh, to winter subsistence cool. hunting. Mm-hmm. You know, they do have fall seasons, you know, when the moose are all yeah. dispersed, but once they start coming down into that area, it, gets, stay closed, away it from gets closed down to everybody. Mm-hmm. So. That's pretty neat though that the state of Alaska does that. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it happens. I mean, I'm not familiar with every area of Alaska, but okay, I'm sure yeah, there's, I'm sure there's other areas out there that, that that happens in as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? so, so those moose carcasses you're sitting on, like I would imagine some of them are bulls. Um, can you keep racks or anything well, when you find, cause it's not necessarily, it's, it's not a shed obviously. Correct. But here's the thing. Most of those animals are killed during like spring breakup and spring thaw. Oh, so they don't even have their animals. So, yeah, most okay. of them don't. Now we did have a unique situation this year. The one moose that I was sitting on did have his antlers on his head. So he, something happened to him died early back winter. in December, early winter. You know, and obviously he just froze. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they keep all winter long. But most of them that you're finding are animals that fell through the ice during the winter, uh, got caught in breakup or something like mm-hmm. that, you know. So I guess can you keep deadheads in Alaska? Yeah, yes, you can. You, uh, you just have to pay your t- license fees yeah, or whatever. No, I don't think you even have to pay anything for it. You just have to claim it as, you know, you found a winner kill. You have to or report it. You report it so that okay. uh, otherwise you walk around with a set of antlers. That you're yeah. No documentation. <laughs> and they're going to want, you know, so you just, we just report it and say, hey, listen, okay. here's the situation. I mean, and if I was up there for a spring bear hunt and found a deadhead or something, that'd be a pretty cool yeah. mm-hmm. trophy to bring yep. back. No, we actually had one and it was almost a 60 inch bull. And, wow. But, I didn't feel like dealing with it, so it's still sitting there on the side of the <laughs> It'll river. It'll probably there. be there when you go back. <laughs> yeah. Well, I won't be hunting there this fall, so. No. It, uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, but somebody might grab it. You never know. I mean, it's not like it's in a spot that no one will, no one else will see it, so. Yeah. But. Um, do you have any crazy stories this time, this go-around? I know last time Frank was up there with you guys, you had camp explosions and yeah no, i didn't well, know if there was anything crazy this year <laughs> boy it's when you start setting the, the bar at crazy is yeah you know we've had it the camp past. explosions and helicopter rides from the, from the military <laughs> bears camp. tearing into the camp three times a year yeah i mean everything starts to just pale <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know yeah. not phased by anything yeah no. nothing seems to buy no everything went really really super smooth this this spring i mean no complaints yeah, no, see that no sounds surprises. like doesn't happen typically in alaska no usually something screws up your your best laid plans but frank mm. said all your boats were running good this year and yeah everything was working really good hmm. it, uh, things were just no surprises no surprises it was nice but uh any you know no bears in camp or anything no we uh no, we didn't even have a bear come into camp this year. Oh, I take that back. Brad did. Ha- he had one um, with a uh, young kid, the kid that shot his, his yeah. bear with a, with a bow. He uh, come out of the tent one morning and walked down to the boat. Uh, he's brushing his teeth, doing whatever, you mm-hmm. know, just back and forth. And he'd been out there for a while, and all of a sudden he kind of looked over his shoulder and just about 25 yards from him was a <laughs> you know, big old brownie just sitting there, just been sitting there watching him. 
He was sitting just there watching him go watching back and him forth. go back and forth through camp, and he come flying back in the tent and told Brad, and Brad's <laughs> like, "Well, you want another? You should have gotten another tag." <laughs> <laughs> But he had already shot his bear, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how far apart are you and Brad? I know you guys kind of go up together, um, but I'm sure you spaced out a little bit once the hunt starts. Yeah, what happened was um, we both ended up the same river drainage, and we really we, we got lucky. We had four moose carcasses that were all within about 12 miles of each other. Oh, okay. So we ended up camping fairly close together. We weren't too far apart. You know, and he kind of hunted the, the lower two, and I hunted the upper two. And uh, so we got to see a little bit more of each other than, than, you know, sometimes you're 50 miles apart. And, yeah. But So were these like spike camps you guys are kind of yeah, setting it up? Yeah, it was pretty pretty simple, pretty basic. You know, we went up there and, you know, you're going to camp reasonably close to where you're hunting. So you're not just running up and down the river. Uh, morning hunts aren't the most productive because you got to run your boat into where you want to sit. So if mm. something's there, you probably just ran it off. Yeah. You know. How much light do you guys have? Well, we that's had, another question. Yeah, we were only running on. on about five hours of light or five hours of darkness right now while mm. we were up there. So quite often we were hunting until anywhere between midnight and one o'clock in the morning before it got too dark to, to see. Mm-hmm. And then by the time you get back to camp, maybe have a bowl of soup or something just to warm up and mm-hmm. cup of coffee you know it's one thirty, two o'clock in the morning before you go to bed now it's going to get light at five o'clock so yeah, you don't want to get up at five or yeah, four to go yeah you're usually not going right back out after it again you know? mm-hmm. so you're kind of and, and knowing that the morning hunts tough to make productive because of the fact you got to run yeah. the boat in there mm-hmm. we were quite often just kind of foregoing the morning hunt get a good night's sleep uh, the afternoon would be kind of spent checking to see what carcasses had been hit, played with, monkeyed with, you know. So, you, I mean, you are them. occupying your time. Oh, yeah. While you're, before oh, yeah. and after yep. hunts and stuff, you're just checking baits and Correct. Yep. carcasses. Not baits. Carcasses. They call them baits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and, you know, we might do a little more exploration in the middle of the day. and Find a new carcass and, and or maybe, something. And, yeah, and, and we did. I mean, I found one after the first 10-day hunt was over. I was just kind of getting prepped for the next group of guys to come in, and I was running down the river, and I looked over, and another one had just kind of bloated and <laughs> come up, up off the bottom of the river and got pushed against the bank. And, and they'll preserve underwater like that if they fall um, through the ice? Yeah, yeah. I mean, honest to God, you, the, some of those moose, you could cut them open, and I'm telling you, you could have eaten a steak right off the hams. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know? Yeah, the water's got, what, 35, 34 degrees? Yeah, oh. it's, it's cold. I mean, so they what, were, What's the temperature like up there? Because you were up there in May, right? Yeah, I, I, I got up there May 5th, and there was still a lot of snow on the ground. Oh, okay. All right. And uh, not so much down in the main river, but up the river that I was, I was on the Cockwalk River, and as we got up there, we got into quite a bit of snow on the on the banks so it was nighttime we were always waking up to ice on and if you left any water in a pot outside you it, it was ice it was okay. icing up pretty good so you know mid-20s at night and uh daytime it was oh, 45 50 degrees pretty good hunting weather then oh it was real nice i mean you get cold when you're just sitting you yeah know, and staring at stuff and it was kind of rainy so you always have that dampness did yeah the, did the bears seem to change their patterns with rain no, no. They, they those animals have to live in that 
Yeah, it, it, it yeah, rains I mean, I 200 days a year up there. So. Yeah, because yeah, I know like around here, it seems like rain may affect a little bit of their mm-hmm. movement. I mean, you can it's still huntable, um, but I, I didn't know if there was much of a difference up there. No, the only thing I've ever noticed that really affects them is wind. If it starts getting really windy, that that'll affect the animals more than, you know, rain doesn't seem to bother them at all. Temperature doesn't seem to bother them. Uh, you know, the temperatures that we find uncomfortable... Mm-hmm. You know, that 900-pound animal with a fur coat on, Yeah, 25 degrees is pretty darn comfortable for them. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. You, know? so. um, you, you had mentioned earlier uh, that they will circle downwind and everything on the some of the carcasses. Now, how are you guys setting up in order, um, I guess, in reference to wind direction when you find these carcasses and setting up your stands or it's, anywhere? It's a little bit of a game because of the fact that you're stuck on the river and that carcass is going to be laying, you know, half on the bank, half in the water, you know, until that bear yanks it up a little bit or whatever. You don't have a lot of options for that perfect setup. Okay. You know, now we had a couple of them. We were able to kind of set up across the river on an island. And that's probably you know, almost perfect. Then. Yeah. And to try to set yourself downwind. I don't usually try to do that. I try to get myself 90 degrees to the wind direction. Okay. So that because I'm usually pinned against the bank someplace, if I just park along the bank. That's where he's going to be walking. Yeah. I mean, so I'm I'm hoping that I can get myself set up in more of a 90 degree angle so that when he circles downwind, at least maybe my, my wind that's going in his direction is 50, 75, 80 yards to his right or left, if that yeah. makes sense, rather and than... sometimes even your thermals can, <clears throat> from the water can drag that scent away, too. It does, and the river will channel the wind sometimes, mm-hmm. depending on how, what kind of growth you have on the side of the river. If you've got some taller spruce trees, you know, the wind above the spruce might be blowing across the river, but the way the bluffs and the turns in the river are affecting it, it starts to... The wind tends to channel. run up and down, up and down mm-hmm. the river channel, so... It's, it's a little bit of a game, but like I said, I don't try to get myself downwind necessarily because then I'm always hoping I'm far enough downwind, mm-hmm. which gotcha. more often you're not. By the time you get far enough downwind, you can't uh, even see your, your Yeah, your shot's <laughs> going away. So I try to set myself up perpendicular to it and, and give myself, you know, if I got a rifle hunter, I try to get myself in that 75-yard range is what I consider ideal. Um, obviously, if that doesn't allow, you know, the... You know, sometimes we're only 50 yards away or whatever, which is still fine. But uh, our archery hunters, we always try to get them in a tree stand because you're you're going to end up closer to the carcass. Yeah. So we try to get them elevated 15 feet or so and uh, up into a tree just to, to help keep that wind hopefully above the bear when he comes in. Mm-hmm. You know. how, now, how does that work um, guided-wise? Is it like, do you put two stands up or is it a double stand? Or? I, I like to put two stands up. I don't like double stands. I agree. I'm not uh, a big fan of them. I'm just you curious know, how you guys did it. You know, no, no one out there can see what I look like, but I'm by no means <laughs> a, a little person. A two-man stand is a one-man stand for <laughs> right. you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I feel you, you there. Know, so... Uh, yeah, you start putting someone in a two-man stand next Two full-grown men don't yeah, ever and, fit in a full two-man stand. And we usually don't anyway. like each other that much yeah. to want to be that close together. So <laughs> I like to put two stands up. And uh, that way I, that way the hunter can have his full range of movement and he's got his stand. And I'm just there to to talk him through it and make sure that 
You know, mm-hmm. he understands what we're looking mm-hmm. at. And, Do they have any weird restrictions up in Alaska with like screwing into trees for steps or? You're not allowed to damage the tree. So we use all ladder stands. Okay. That you, we stand them up, lean them against their ratchet, strap them in place. Um, you're, we're allowed to prune a few branches and stuff to make things safe. So, but we're not supposed to be cutting trees down and, and Okay. Stuff like I didn't, that, yeah, but. I didn't, or I figured Alaska was probably pretty, um, yeah, anal about their, Right trees. I'm yeah, yeah, they, yeah. We're not allowed to go and just start laying waste to the <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to the area. putting screw in steps. And, yeah, no. Okay. Now, if you're on a piece of private ground, yeah, that's different. then you're free to do whatever the landowner lets you do. You know, I mean, and is there much private ground out? Yeah, believe it or not, there really. Is. And actually, where the one camp that I was in, uh, a friend of ours in Equok, he kind of used it for moose hunting, and he let us bear hunt out of it. And uh, so it's you know, there, there I didn't is, realize that you go that far out there and there's plots of land that yeah. are well and the native corporations they own huge tracts of land out oh, there okay. all over the place so uh you know as you deal with different entities you know whether it's state land federal land mining land private land i mean you just you have to yeah. know whose land you're on and what you're allowed to do with yeah. I, I think there are was, a lot of different rules even for, with different types of state properties correct. there's different rules yes. I think I just have a hard time grasping how big Alaska really is and I mean it's literally like you could you cut know, it in half and Texas would become the third largest state yeah <laughs> it's just it's absolutely insane to like I mean you it's just huge I, it is it is no it's it's funny because when we fly up there I can fly from Erie, Pennsylvania to Anchorage cheaper than I can fly from Anchorage to Equok, mm-hmm. the village that uh, that we're starting our hunting operations out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you start flying around that state, it costs you more to do that than it does to get there. Mm-hmm. Wow. So. Now, how far is like Anchorage to Equok? I want to say it's around 300 miles. Yeah, I think it's just a little over 300 miles. Yeah. So, and... Uh, that's where you guys get in the jet boats and that's where we river. get in the jet boats and yeah and uh the one day brad and i we went and uh actually got to go check out an old area that we used to hunt in years ago with smoky there yeah it was smoky okay. there with alaska private guide service years ago we went up and kind of checked out some of those old stomping grounds i think we're gonna punch a camp in up that way this fall and as I, a guide or are you going up to hunt there well i'm gonna go up as a guide but to take clients in there again under mike or under mike yeah, okay. yeah smoky retired I, yeah he, i know he, he retired um but yeah, i didn't no. know if mike had been up there or had access to that ground or uh he had to uh you know he had to make it part of his guide use areas you know so that's but you know he but yeah he's, he's got he, two guides now that have got a lot of time up there so right. i'm sure it was worthwhile yeah, to him. so but uh yeah so that brad and i decided we were going to take a run up there from ekwok and go check out that camp and another camp that we used to bear hunt out of on another river up there. Uh, total round trip was 200 miles on the river. Wow. We left camp. It was raining a little bit, but the weather forecast said it was going to clear up in a couple hours. And be kind of <laughs> I'm nice. sure they're perfect all the time. Yeah. I mean, they were, I mean, right money. It cleared up about the time we pulled back in 12 14 hours later <laughs> just before it got dark yeah i think the last five miles of our trip was without any rain in our face wow. <laughs> but yeah 200 miles in a jet boat one day getting uh, splattered in the rain know, all day by rain and it's amazing how bad a raindrop feels when it hits you right in the eyeball yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. At 30 miles an hour <laughs> so 
I guess I never realized you were hunting that close to where you used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's funny. It can be a big distance on the river, mm-hmm. but when you start straight line and then all of a sudden we're only 30, 40 miles apart here, maybe 50 miles away there. and uh, But the, you know, the river miles just... With the twist and, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, looping around and all of a sudden it's 200 miles. It's 200 miles. So, but it was kind of, if it wasn't for the rain, it would have been a really nice day. <laughs> <laughs> nice to get back up where we used to hunt and mm-hmm. check out some of the, some of the stuff and look for a campsite again and see what was available up there. And is there anything left from when you guys used to guide up there? Or did Smokey pretty much clear everything? Oh no, out? no. When you leave an area, you have to clean it. It Completely. has to look like it did when you got there. Yeah, and we would do that every year. You know, when we were done cleaning it up, we'd take pictures of camp and submit them back to the state and say, "Okay, here's, here's what things look like when we were done." And uh, and we found more than one campsite over the years that that wasn't the practice they took yeah. a picture before but. they set up and said yeah this is what it <laughs> yeah. looked like when we were done and here's what it looked like when we were done they took them both on the day they got there yeah <laughs> but uh, but no we're uh smoky was always i mean very anal about putting things back right cleaning up and not leaving and, and he was a big smoker he was a three pack a day smoker jeez you would never is that where he got his nickname n- no it wasn't believe <laughs> really it, no but you'd <laughs> never right. you'd never find as much as a cigarette butt Left well, there it's, it's good to hear you know he was very good about cleaning stuff up mm-hmm. so but good and and mike's good about that too you know when we when we put camp away and we're done it's it's night looks nice i mean it looks like somebody cared it really mm-hmm. does so good. it uh that wouldn't sit well with me anyways if, if yeah. especially up in that i mean we do that even snake hunting here if we see a water bottle we pick it, pick up. it up i mean alaska yep. almost to me feels different that it's, you know, mm-hmm. they call it the last frontier. It's yeah. But there's, there's it no wild. place up there that hasn't been oh, mm, I believe soiled it. by someone who yeah. didn't care. You know, yeah. I mean, you, you st- you'll always bad. find evidence of somebody that just didn't oh, care. Butterfinger to... wrapper under a bush or something. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Always something. No, one of the first years I was up there, I was uh, up at Smokey's K2 camp, and I was out back doing a walk looking for some caribou, you know, kind of scouting things out a little bit and, I don't know, I got myself about three and a half, four miles from camp and getting up towards some hills back there. And You know, you're walking along, and it was new to me at the time, and I'm mm-hmm. sitting thinking, man, I'm probably one of the few people that have ever been here, you know, mm-hmm. looking around, climbing up on the hill to get a better vantage point. And honest to God, I got up about halfway up the hill to this nice little crop, outcrop of rock, sat down, and there was an empty royal crown bottle lay in there <laughs> which i carried four miles back to camp and threw away but it was just it kind of really took away from the mm, whole experience yeah. you know you're out there thinking man this is really cool this i mean yeah my, i'm out there and when my dad went up with you he said he felt the same thing and they'd get up somewhere and you see like a trapper shack yep. out there like somebody literally like they lived here for quite some time yep. you know? so there's it's almost nothing there, you're not seeing anything for the first time you know yeah. first time for you but Everything mm-hmm. up there. Somebody's been, been there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a hard concept to believe. But no. but it is nice when people don't let you know they were there. Yeah. You know, when you don't, when you'll see, all you see is footprints. It's it's a nice feeling. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, do you have any other trips planned for Alaska besides this fall? Like, I don't, is there much to do throughout the summer up there? Oh, God. If I wanted to, I could be up there doing uh, fishing camps right now. The king season's going to be starting here. Actually, what's today? The 
11th? 11th, yeah. Yeah, Kings, the Kings will be running. Yeah. They actually went to, the day I was leaving, a couple of days before I left, uh, they were starting to get a few Kings start mm-hmm. to show up in the river. Now, not very nice. many, but there was, there was talk that someone caught one here, mm-hmm. caught one there. And so right now the King Salmon should be running. And once they start, it ain't long after that, the, the sockeyes and the chums start coming. And they'll run till about July 20th, roughly. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then by that point, uh, at any time, the silvers can start showing up. And they they can spread themselves out for quite All a ways. I mean, moose I've, season, basically. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've seen runs of silvers. To, yeah, happen literally at the end of moose season. All of a sudden, there's a push of silvers come flying up the mm-hmm. river. So you're yeah. pretty much done though until the fall. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'll probably end up going back up. Their, their fall, the, the beginning of August, to start punching in camps. Yeah, get, I picked him up ready. from the airport, and he had, like, one tote, just like I had a pair of boots and some rain gear up there that I wanted back down here, and that was all he had. I was like, you didn't bring anything back? He's like, oh, I'm going back up in a couple months. What's the point of lugging all that crap back here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, you Cheaper. Seven, that's 75 bucks to put your luggage on mm-hmm. the plane and take it up there, so... Yeah, yeah might just, as well leave it. So where do you where do you leave it for months at a time? Uh, Mike has a house in Equok. Okay. So we leave it there because he he'll, he lives up there from April through September. You know because he's, if, if he's, he's not running. doing he's doing spring bear. He does the fishing trips all summer and then into fall and uh, bear and moose season. So you know he he needed a place to be, so he bought himself a little house up there and and. It's not much the more happening than happening town of Equal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think there's about 75 people live there. I don't know how many people live there, but it's, it's I mean, it, but it does everything we need it to do. You know, mm-hmm. it's a yeah. place of operations, a place to store boats, fix boats, you know, keep gear, you know, yeah. things of that nature. So it, uh, Good. but no, I'm looking forward to this fall's hunt. So it'll, there'll be a lot of fun. But So you uh, said you really enjoyed the spring hunt. You plan on. Oh, I, I'm looking to... forward to doing it again. Really? Okay. Re- Was yeah, this your I, first spring? Hunt? this type of hunt yeah okay this is the first time i've done anything like this and you know if i were an archery hunter that wanted to shoot a brown bear That's... this this is what i would do mm-hmm. i would try to get into that that earliest season that i could mm-hmm. and uh like i said it's not going to be the most exciting thing on the planet it's going to be a game of patience mm-hmm and, uh, yeah, I mean that some, is, that tricks that, some people's trigger. I mean, if yeah. you're a whitetail hunter, that's what you're mm-hmm. used to. I was gonna yeah. say that's how whitetail hunting with archery is. Yeah, you know, you're just sitting and waiting most of the mm-hmm. time. So, no, but a lot of times in the fall, we can do a spot and stock hunt up in the tundra in the yeah. mountains or something. Go find that bear that's feeding on. So if you're more and, adventurous, you yeah, know, better shape maybe. Yeah, the fall if, might if, be for you. Yes, and uh, and even in our fall hunts, our best bears are usually shot off those moose carcasses after someone harvests mm-hmm. a moose you know we start camping on them again and like i said again it's not the most exciting thing but it's patience very I mean, it depends on i guess what your number one goal to hunt alaska is if it's to see the tundra or if it's to right. explore alaska or if it's to come home with a brown bear mm-hmm. you kind of have to decide what your and then just number pick, one pick goal the, pick the time of year yeah, that you're exactly. going to go up and, and, and what's most important to you about this alaska hunt and then yeah. use that to judge if you're going to go in the spring or the fall mm-hmm. yeah if you're a person of little patience that needs to be moving and seeing things this hunt's not for you mm-hmm. yeah. uh yeah if you're a patient my first client uh i'm going to throw your name out there kurt uh, he was from Idaho, and uh, I mean, one of the best clients I've ever had in 22 years of being up there. Kurt was as patient and 
understanding and easygoing and mm-hmm. you know and and he he kept making a comment that really rang true he kept saying I, i'm going to believe in the process you mm-hmm. know this is the hunt this is exactly what i expected it to be this is your process i'm going to believe in the process and we're going to go through this for the next 10 days or until i get my bear mm-hmm. and, and even if we only see that one bear and day seven and you know, an eight to eight and a half foot bear walked out and it was all of what he was hoping to get. And it was like, boom, thank you. And mm-hmm. that was it. You know? now, well, he's, well, somebody like Kurt stay in camp the rest of the days he's got. You can, in. that's up to you. Uh, like I said, you can buy a second tag and stick Keep around or, and, uh, he was, uh, actually very busy at home. And figured if I can get a couple extra days he was, at home. Yeah, he was happy to, to have, he only wanted one bear. He knew that coming up. And uh, so he was just, he was tickled pink, thrilled, and off he went with uh, with what he came nice. for. So, but uh, yeah, really enjoyed Kirk's. I knew that Kirk's when you name dropped that it was going to be a good experience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I tell you what, I have been, I mean, terribly, terribly lucky with the clientele that I've had over the years. Uh, I always seem to be able to find something to connect with people on. Well, I mean, you're and focus on that. I mean, it's what you're going up there for. Your passion is hunting. You mm-hmm. hope to believe that right. the people that go there, their passion is yeah. hunting. No, it's, it's it's very rare that there's bad apples in somewhere. anything. But yeah, no, but uh, and I tell the guys up there this all the time. I, I I believe that if you focus on the positive things in people you're going to have a better experience. I mean, mm-hmm. none of us are perfect. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I yeah. got my faults, you got yours, everybody's got faults. So at that point, we've all got a choice. I can sit and focus on what I don't like about someone or I can focus on what I do like about them. Well, it's going to be a much better experience if I focus on what I do like. Yeah, because you then, can't get away from this person. You right, are stuck there. with them for right. 10 so days. Let's, let's build on that. And with a little luck, he won't focus on my shortcomings. And he'll look for the things that, you know, mm-hmm. and then, and it's worked out really good for me over the years. Like I said, I've, I've been really, really fortunate with the clientele that I've had that, uh, you know, even some of the people on day one or day two that I'm going, oh boy, <laughs> you know, by the end of the hunt, we I were, so we, we were happy to be together, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it turned out, you know what, this wasn't so bad. I just had to look at things a little different and mm-hmm. we always seem to find common ground and yeah. it works out really, really good. So, mm-hmm. uh, now, I look forward to this fall. But, yeah, so if you guys are looking for an archery hunt on a bear, that's the way I'm to telling go. you, this is the one I would do. If I were going to go up there to try to shoot a bear, of the different hunts that I've done, this is the one I would pick. I, I would, I've always wanted to kill a, a bear with a bow. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I can't say I've done any work to make that happen. Um, but it's it's one of those, it's, you know. Unfortunately, I, it's not getting any cheaper. Yeah. No, uh, it's not. Um <laughs> I've got like a list of, you know, maybe top five things and in my list of like hunts I want to do, um, number one being some sort of sheep hunt, mm-hmm. um, probably because if I ever get the opportunity to sheep hunt, it's going to be one time and I'll never be able to afford to do it again. Mm-hmm. So I want to do a Marco Polo sheep, just, yep. you know, go for a big one. And I think their hunts start at like 14,000 foot or something. I mean, just absolutely <laughs> way up, way up there. Um, and then also in that top five is a uh, bear with a bow. Um, hmm. Well, you can take this for whatever it's worth, but I, I tend to tell everybody the same thing. If you're going to do something for the first time, 
and you know, and we get guys that are passionate bow hunters. You know, and I get it because I, I prefer bow hunting over mm-hmm. everything else. But if this is something you can only do one time, I'm going to suggest you put as many things in your favor as possible and bring a rifle. <laughs> <laughs> For day eight, nine, and ten. You know, yeah. so that, you know, you don't want to be there and the, the bear of your dreams or the sheep of your dreams or moose of your dreams hangs up out there at 100 yards broadside mm-hmm. looking at you for five minutes, and you've got a stick and a string in your hand. <laughs> That's, there's a lot of truth to be to that. Yeah. Notice my and, sheep hunt was not with a bow. <laughs> you know, and like I said, I've got nothing against archery. I, I, arch, I would prefer to archery hunt over everything else. Mm-hmm. But if it's something you can only do once, you know, or you need to be that person who considers that just the as encounter, much success yeah. mm-hmm. as shooting it. Shooting it. You know, mm-hmm. if if you can truly look at that and go, "Boy, I was here. I did it." You know, if I would have had the in, right in my mind cheated and gone to the rifle, mm-hmm. I would have had that. In. So I'm good with it. It was a success. Then then that's fine. You I guess know, it, but, yeah, it goes back to but um, you really got to put it important all in, to you. Yeah. Yes, you got to put it in perspective, and you got to think what's what's important to me. And uh, if the number one thing is coming home with a bear, maybe bring you, a rifle. You might want to bring a rifle. <laughs> <laughs> so. no. But uh, it sounds like the way it's set up that archery hunting is doable for that. Yeah. It for is. Sure. And like I said, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. No, mm-hmm. no, but it's, it's, but the setups doable. are definitely a lot easier to find the right situation. It's easier to manage this setup than a lot of the other. Mm hmm scenarios you, you can play into yeah. at different times of the year in different places so mm-hmm. uh, and it's and again it's another one of those things if if you're someone who's not in perfect health mm-hmm. you know and just can't go you know running around you know, the tundra for three and, days right you know i'm fortunate that you know even though i'm not a little person i can still climb hills and i get around pretty darn good you know yeah, i feel you there <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but not everybody can do that and mm-hmm. You know, so again, this hunt would be something that, you know, if, if your your health isn't letting you do some of those more extreme hunts, this is something you can still handle. Mm-hmm. So good, nice. So then, well, I appreciate you taking an hour out of your time to talk to oh, us and stuff. Oh it's, God, no, this... you've always you bring like Alaska to the table, which is really nice because <laughs> yeah. it's not everybody's got you know somebody that's got as much experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and in real time experience, it's not like you're like, yeah, 40 years ago, I used to go up to Alaska all the time. It's like, no, you're actively, yeah, you just, got just back, got back and I'm planning the next one. Yeah. So <laughs> it's really cool that we can sit down and talk mm-hmm. about it each and every time you, when you get back and share yeah. the experience because well, hope, it's hopefully we'll have a good moose hunt. And yeah. Have plenty to talk about in the fall. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So. Well, well, thanks for having me guys. Yeah. yeah. Appreciate, appreciate you joining it. us again. No, thanks. Um, look forward to the next one. All right. Um, With that being said, uh, thank you guys for all listening and make sure you guys are all getting outside.